Talkers. Welcome to Speak and Destroy, episode 113. Speak and Destroy is the first podcast to feature interviews about Metallica, and I'm your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Count D, bassist for Rob Zombie. Now, the Count and I are both November birthdays. We're both Generation X. We both grew up loving Freddy Krueger and Metallica, so we had a lot to talk about. It was a very, very cool and fun conversation. Now, in addition to holding down the bass position in the Rob Zombie Band since 2006, which includes the records Hellbilly Deluxe 2, Venomous Rat Regeneration Vendor, Electric Warlock, Acid Witch, Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser, and 2021's The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy, which was Rob Zombie's highest charting solo album. He is also one half of the group The Haxons with my dear friend Ash Costello, the vocalist for New Year's Day. Uh, it's a cool horror-themed band uh, with a bunch of singles and other interesting, fun stuff out there. Uh, his credits also include work with Wednesday 13, Casey Chaos's band Amen, and the great Alice Cooper. You can catch Count D hosting a brand new show for the Gibson TV network. Yes, Gibson, the guitar people, have a very cool YouTube channel thing happening. They have the Gibson Icon series, which has featured in-depth projects, uh, some of which the Count has actually worked on behind the scenes, uh, but these in-depth interviews with Slash, Dave Mustaine, Kirk Hammett, a lot of really great stuff on that channel, including a new show called Metal and Monsters, hosted by Count D himself. We also talk about that, and you can see all other interview that we did together, video-wise, over on the NotFest channel. Uh, that was more specifically about Metal and Monsters, although we do touch upon that a little bit here. But this conversation, of course, is more on the metal side, because we're talking Metallica. Remember, you can follow Speaking Destroy on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can visit speakingdestroy.com. You can check out all of the Pop Curse podcasts by going to popcurse.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at Ryan J. Downey underscore. So here it is, my conversation with Count D of Rob Zombie's band. This is Speak and Destroy. I was really fortunate to be born into a musical friendly family. In fact, my family was a band before I was born. I have an older brother who plays drums and he was uh, 13 when I was born and he was already playing. 
mom played guitar and dad played bass and they would play at like church backyard gatherings and gospel music stuff like that so i grew up with my parents gospel and show tunes records i knew fiddler on the roof before i knew what any of it meant or what any of it was about carousel south pacific all those records i i, I know i know all that stuff but i loved star wars that was the first movie i saw mm-hmm. and i had the john williams soundtrack double the double vinyl of that and my brother was kiss van halen you know blue oyster cult you name it cheap trick so his room was gene simmons posters and a massive rock drum kit my room was you know my parents musical and soundtrack records so i didn't stand a chance musically I (laughs) I, i had it i had everything i knew I knew all the gospel songs and all the show tunes and, and what kiss was doing. And that was such a, uh, I'm so fortunate looking back on it to have grown up with that and not, you know, you're listening to one thing you're not listening to that crap. And so by the time I could, I could, you know, buy records and I got a little bit older and I was allowed to explore other music. I found hard rock that even my brother my brother wasn't really a Metallica fan. He had, he saw them when they came through town, but that wasn't his band. Like Van Halen was his band. But when I discovered metal, like a, a friend of mine gave me a copy of Peace Cells. He gave me the cassette and said, take it home and dub it and bring it back to school the next day. Dude, blew my mind. And I hadn't seen a Megadeth video. So I hadn't seen Dave singing and playing and, doing all this crazy shit but as soon as i saw it i went that's witchcraft there's just there's no way around it that's witchcraft that guy's two people and i remember and i remember when metallic when the metallica one video came out i knew some metallica but they hadn't made a video yet but when that one video came out i it sent chills like thinking about how i felt now when i was seeing it i'm still bothered a little bit because it was they really captured this fear and anxiety and stress in that video incorporating those clips from johnny got your gun and and Mm -hmm. the whole premise of that song i just remember watching my television for whatever it was the eight minutes the long long form video and not being the same after and just feeling like whoa now that's heavy that's they captured the emotion with the clips and that that video just so perfectly and it was great that they they resisted making videos for so long and then when they finally did the video they made was disruptive provocative oh thought you know it was like something and and they really had waited till they were in a place where by the time they made a video mtv had to play it they were now a big enough band that it wasn't like Oh, we hope it gets on. So then they were able to do this thing that was just so, I mean, having just even having all that talking throughout the video was like right. unusual at the time, you know? I mean, and what a, what a brilliant piece of art it is now. If you look back on history and the videos that have been made, the talking that's in the video, what a brilliant piece of art, what a brilliant decision that was because it really told the watcher and, and, and the fans of that band, we're not fucking around. This shit's heavy. And it's still relevant too. You think about all the guys coming back from war yeah. now 
it's still chilling. It's still chilling. Like the subject matter of that song. When they did the, they call it the jamming version, which is just the performance part of a video without any of the movie clips. And just the perform, I mean, you know, we all know once we grow up, especially that it's, you know, people uh, lip syncing to playback and all of that. But regardless that there's a few videos, there's like a Pantera video. There's like some videos you can really point to where it's like, dude, I don't care if they're just pantomiming on a soundstage or whatever, like they're going for it. And that, yeah. that one video is a great example where it's like just the intensity of that performance. is just, I mean, it's just so hard. <laughs> it's so great. And that's such a bleak record. Like there's, there's no hope on injustice for all. I mean, from the first note to the last note, it's like, fuck you. Life sucks. Shit's hard. It's going to get harder. Deal with it. Like that's just, that's just the tone of that record. And, and it's still, it's, I don't know. I still feel the same way about it as all these years later that as I did the moment that I heard it. And I guess, you know, I knew I played instruments. I, I was a horn player and I played some guitar. I picked up the guitars around the house. And it was when I, I, Alice Cooper, the trash record was coming out and Poison hit MTV. And I went, who's this Alice Cooper guy? This is kind of interesting. I didn't know anything about him, really. I knew Poison. I saved up lawn money and bought tickets. And he was coming, <laughs> he was coming to Houston. I bought like 14th row seats for the music hall. Amazing. And, and, and my dad had to take me at the last minute. My brother took a gig and he couldn't take me. My dad was like, I'll take you. You spent too much money on these tickets. And the lights went out. I smelled pot for the first time. (laughs) All the girls around us like took their clothes off. And Alice Cooper busted out of this gigantic trash can with a whip. And there's monsters running around on stage and there's fog. And I went, what the fuck is this? I'm I'm into it. Blew my mind. And and in a weird way, that that was the moment where I'm like, I have to get involved. I don't know yeah. what's going on with this, yeah. but I have to get involved. And I did. I the next day I bought Alice Cooper's greatest hits and I started from the beginning and I got educated and and here I am. Gosh, it's so amazing. And 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 knowing sort of, you know, how your trajectory turned out and you know, the band you've been playing in now for the last several years that uh you know that van halen and kiss was kind of around with the older brother and then you're into megadeth and you're into metallica and there's alice cooper and like you know you're you get to go out on stage and like live that life now <laughs> like fast forward all these years later and like you and the audience at that alice cooper show going i want to be up there doing that like that's what you're up there doing now it's pretty incredible it's uh careful what you wish for and be careful <laughs> be careful you know the universe is listening. Yeah, it's, man. It's an antenna. It's an antenna and it's picking up your thoughts going, oh, really? <laughs> Let me make some calls. Yeah. And then six months later, you're like, hey, Ryan, you like yeah. Freddy Krueger, right? Do you yeah. want to come do this thing in Vancouver? And there you go. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, and longtime listeners of Speaking Destroy will be aware that not only is Megadeth also the band that got me into metal, but it was Peace Cells and it was a cassette copy of Peace Cells. And I, I, one of my really good friends at the time was like a hair metal guy. So he was into, as heavy as he got was like Maiden, 
you know he was into like crocus and Dawkin and and stuff like that and he bought p-cells by mistake thinking it was going to be hair metal and put it on and was like what is this noise and gave it to me literally just to get rid of it like hey you want this you know and i was at the time into new wave and you know as hard as as hard as i got was uh you know sex pistols black flag yeah. a little bit you know but i was into like billy idol adam and the ants wow. um i i had been exposed to motorhead via the young ones on mtv yeah but i didn't have like you know i didn't own any motorhead records or anything yet and yeah it was just like you were saying you know watching the metallica video even too like i could get goosebumps thinking about like literally that moment i can still picture myself putting the tape in into the boom box and hearing b cells for the first time and it was like a bolt of lightning you know it's like everything changed from like just a record you know and then i was writing down the bands and thanks list and and i was like you i hadn't seen any videos i didn't know what they looked like i didn't know anything about that scene i didn't know any of the associations with other bands and at my local newsstand where i would obsessively read uh, you know, pick up Fangoria and read about movies and and music that I liked at the time. Um, I was in there and I saw this magazine called Cream Presents Thrash Metal, issue number mm. one. And it had Mustaine on the cover. And I was like, oh, it says Megadeth. That's that tape that I'm worshiping. And I bought that magazine. And inside there was an article called the top 20 greatest thrash albums of all time. And it's funny because this was like 1987, but it's also funny because most of the greatest thrash metal albums had come out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but it was like, uh, I think Rain and Blood was number one. Wow. You know, Ma- Master of Puppets was on there. Kill Em All was on there. Uh, Creator, uh, Terrible Certainty was in there. There was a Voivod record in there. And, but I made it my mission to like, I'm going to skip lunch at school and keep my lunch money. And add that together with my allowance. And every week I'm going to go to the record store and buy one of these records from this list. And totally to your point in full circle, the guy who wrote that article was a guy named Don Kay. And many years later, when I'm in California working as a move, mostly a movie reporter, uh, I meet a guy at a movie press junket named Don Kay, who was also there reporting on movies. And I was like, were you a music writer at one point? And he was like, yeah, you know, a lifetime ago. And I was like, did you write the 20 greatest thrash? <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, that guy became a buddy, you know, how could really like decades later? Yeah. And it's that same thing, right? Like, I guess you're putting that out there and it's like, somebody's listening, you know, putting those pieces together. It's almost spooky how it works. If you're yeah. really paying attention. Yeah. If you're really, if you're, if you're, even if you're not even attempting to transmit with your antenna, you are. And for good and bad. And, and it's, it's crazy. At least my, my life is just honestly just kind of feels like a dream in that sense where I go, I couldn't have scripted this. I couldn't have, we're all just magnets Mm. for for other things. That's really all we are and, and good and bad. Like I said, and it's, always listening the microphone's always on yeah i mean even today before you and i got on is a great example of that because i you know had a a friend who i worked with doing some stuff for the grammys years ago who you know she hit me up this was probably a year ago 
because like you, uh, you were telling me uh, this show gibson tv the uh metal and monster show my friend hit me up probably a year or so ago and was like we're working on this show i thought of you you know because this stuff and whatever and i was like yeah that sounds killer i can't wait for that to come out and she's like you know um, maybe I, that I could have you on Speaking Destroy because you're a big Metallica fan. I was like, that'd be great. And so much time had passed that by the time it came around, you know, and she hit me up just a couple of days ago and was like, you know, hey, why don't you still do the interview? I'm like, hell yeah, definitely. I wasn't even thinking about the Gibson show. I was just thinking about just having you on as you. And then, um, yeah, another big uh, Freddy Krueger fan that I follow on Instagram posted something about the show and i was like oh yeah it's like, i'm talking to that dude in like four hours and wasn't even thinking about that show funny. and that's, that's just funny. another great example of, of what you're saying of like just the way where the the magnets like it's pretty you incredible know, what was also really cool about metallica especially at that time like with the garage days ep that's how i found out about killing joke yeah and i yeah. just i discovered the misfits through metallica me too and then and then i found danzig and that mm-hmm. was like what da- what danzig 2 had was coming out mm-hmm. i mean they, they were such an incredible gateway for so much amazing art that even at that time had kind of fallen through the cracks a little mm-hmm. bit i mean there wasn't there wasn't misfit shirts at the mall like there are now right so that that was Metallica has a really, really, really important place in history. And I think a lot of other artists, legacy artists even really owe Metallica a lot because they wore their hearts on their sleeve. You know, Cliff wore that shirt. I mean, they talked about those bands and played those songs covered, you know, the Merciful Fate stuff when they paid that forward and all those kids picking up guitars or learning Curse of the Pharaoh because Metallica, you know, what a beautiful yeah. thing, right? And not every yeah. band, not every band is so, I guess, egoless in that sense with their, especially with their album making, where they can go, no, fuck it. We're going to play an entire medley of Merciful Fate songs. We're going to pick yeah. this really kind of long and weird Blue Oyster Cult song, like Astronomy, yeah. and knock the shit out of it and get, you know, here comes a whole new wave of fans for blue oyster cult that are like oh we love that metallica song what else is there fans and then also paying it forward in a literal sense of like uh you know now hank sherman and king diamond are going to get you know publishing checks raining down from the sky that they never would have expected you know from now because now they have co-writes on a multi-platinum record isn't that incredible and that i mean i had uh I had Animal from Anti Nowhere League on the podcast a, a couple of years ago, and he was telling me that, you know, prior to Metallica, I mean, so what was a B side for Anti Nowhere League? Like, kind of yeah. this throwaway piss stick of a song. And, you know, they had their whole run and got thrown off top of the pops, and he's got great stories. But by okay. the early 90s, you know, Anti Nowhere League wasn't a band, and he, and he was, Animal was literally working in construction. Yeah. And then that song blows up. And the band invites him to come out at Wembley and and sing So What With Them in like 92 or something like that. It's just the coolest. And the band's been back together ever since. You know, like they, they yeah, tour. Yeah, I saw them a few years out, ago. Yeah, they make new records. And yeah. um, and that's, you know, and, and he'll be the first to tell you that that's uh, 100% a result of Metallica, you know, shining that, that light on them. And yeah, and I'm like you. I mean, I'm a, a massive Misfits fan. I was in a Misfits tribute band once upon a time. Amazing. Um, and that uh 
originated with Metallica 100% with with Cliff's tattoo, Cliff's shirt, the songs on Garage Days. Again, I, I don't want to bore people who listen to the podcast, but as I've said many times, uh, Garage Days, oddly enough, was the current Metallica release when I discovered Metallica. Wow. So it was like, you know, the first Metallica tape that I owned was a bunch of covers. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, yeah, it got like turned me on to Killing Joke. And, you know, when you look at, you know, the band just celebrated their 40th anniversary. And when you look at the set list for those early, early, the earliest shows, it's like a Diamond Head tribute band. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'd have like a song that Mustaine brought over from Panic. And like, uh, you know, a couple of Hetfield songs and then a bunch of Diamond Head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, it's, yeah. and they didn't, they never ran away from it. They're never embarrassed by it. They embrace those bands so much. Yeah. Like you said, they're like the ultimate gateway band in that sense. Yeah. It's such, it's, it's such an important part of their legacy to me, yeah. you know, to me and to you and to a lot of people. And I've really grown up with, with Metallica and, I, I got to tell you, man, I think Death Magnetic yeah. is is one of the greatest metal albums ever. I mean, that record is, that record blows my mind still. And I've listened to it a lot. Like there, it, the, the band has just continually pushed it, con- continually pushed itself into really interesting territory and challenges itself. And Hardwired was incredible. Like, yeah, it's, hard, it's, I like Hardwired even more than Death Magnetic, and I, and I like Death Magnetic quite a bit. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, as you said, they they challenge themselves, they challenge their audience, even when yeah. it doesn't connect maybe the way they anticipated, and, and even when they they might lose people along the way. They're always, well, no matter what they do, they're always the topic of conversation with anybody who's even has like a, the most peripheral connection to metal music. You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, think of how many bands that people maybe gave up on or moved on from and they just don't pay attention to them anymore. You could tell them like, you know, that band's put out like four albums. It's the last time you paid attention. Whereas, <laughs> whereas people who allegedly don't like Metallica anymore always know what Metallica is up to and always have an opinion about whatever they did yesterday. And it's like, boy, is that true? Yeah. It's so, it's almost, it's almost, too easy for some for some bands i think to be cool because you just yeah. don't change you just right. i'm where you don't I'm challenge anybody no yeah. you just i'm gonna make the same record 30 times and no one's gonna complain and mm-hmm. i don't give a shit it's a lot harder to be interesting you know yeah. and 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 that's what you're talking about is a band that's a band that's interesting that's doing things that are going to challenge you they're going to challenge all of us at some at some point god damn if they're not interesting yeah and it- and, and, and I would say 99 times out of 100, it works. I know not every yeah. fan would necessarily agree with me, but, uh, you know, I think collaborating with Lady Gaga was awesome. I think, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big champion of, of the of a big, big chunks of the load and reload era. I am too. And, and dude, and going to the 40th and hearing Fixer live for the first time, the first time they've ever played it live, it's just like the deepest cut of the deepest cuts and it's such a yeah. badass song you know it really is that's <laughs> so cool yeah dude and yeah outlaw torn bleeding me those are i say this all the time but like outlaw torn's in like my top 10 all metallica the whole catalog you, you know what you know? mine too actually nice. that's nice. really interesting yeah that i love that song 
so you saw <laughs> the the video on MTV. Uh, you you go out and get Injustice for All. I take it, and then you go probably backwards and and grab everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you remember the first Metallica riff that you learned? I bought all the tab books as I was <laughs> learning guitar. I have yes. I have I think I have I think I have everything through Garage Inc. And um I really I I really enjoyed playing Ramones songs at that point because they were easy. And it, you could impress girls if you knew Sheena as a punk rock. <laughs> Most of yeah. us stopped there. But you know, as soon as I learned the thing that should not be. And that was another thing I loved about that band is that they embraced this mythology and they embrace things like Lovecraft. And yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think and they Kurt, still do. There's Lovecraft they, songs on Hardwired. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they never let go of it. And yeah. And I, I love a band that's well read. I love a band that understands and can even just pontificate on history or on literature. It's so interesting. And that's another, another reason why they're kind of a gateway band is because, you know, you go, what's the call of Cthulhu? Well, yeah. go to the library and give that a Google through the, through the yeah. card index and fig figure out what the call of Cthulhu is. Yeah. And then you can look yeah. over at Kirk and you're like, who's Boris Karloff? Exactly. You know, or, and, and, you know, Lars over the years, I mean, Oasis is one of my favorite bands ever. Mine too. And that was Lars was championing them so hard during the nineties and Hetfield would make fun of them and stuff like that. And yeah, that was my gateway into Oasis was like, yeah. Lars, Lars is always talking about this band. Who is this band? And it, it's still one of my favorite bands ever. He and, was right. Yeah, exactly. Lars was right. <laughs> Lars, um, so putting that on things. a shirt. Lars oh, was right. <laughs> it's already on a shirt, my friend. <laughs> Is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie Josta, a good friend of mine, friend of the shows. Yeah. On, he makes a shirt that uh, he sells it on his web store. That says, <laughs> Lars was right, and and he's talking specifically about Napster, but. Um, it's applicable, I think, to a lot of things. He's a big film fan. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call him up and see if I can trade with him. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta get. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm saying Lars is a big film fan. I, I although I know Josh, I know Josh is a movie fan. He's into like a lot of goofy action movies and stuff. That yeah, I like yeah, too. Yeah. But, but yeah, but but Lars with you know art and I like that Metallica is a lot like the Beatles in the sense where, and, and I'm all about certain bands. The Ramones, obviously, aesthetically. Certain bands where it's like the band, they're a gang, and they all kind of seem like four or five of the same people. But I also really like the Metallica types that are like the Beatles, where you know, or Kiss, where it's like it's four distinct personalities, and yeah. what they what they do when they come together, and the chemistry of that is what makes the band the band. But that there's like you know, everybody can kind of have their favorite, or there's different ways that they can relate to different parts of of who those guys are, and um, yeah, it, it, it's such a hard trick to pull off and i feel like metallica's yeah. metallica's one of those bands and i think obviously cliff and i would say jason and rob have all you know all three are all you know all three of the bass players who are on the records not to not to discount ron mcgovney but uh you know it's like every they all just have these like such distinct stage presence and looks and interests and and influences and it's just fun to explore and and interesting too right like i mean somebody drops a new song and everybody likes to armchair quarterback the next day about how they've changed or this or that but god to your point they're all four very different 
people that collectively you see their influences in the art. You see Lars's artistic eye and art direction mm-hmm. and love for for film in the videos and, and just the way they're expressing themselves and presenting themselves. You see his influence mm-hmm. and you hear James and you hear his man of the earth, you know, guy. And he's very much what he's well-read and knows and the, what and, and the, and the pain from it, you know, you have somebody like Lars who have these, like, you know, this idyllic childhood with the school Bohemian dad, who's, into jazz and, and yeah. you know very worldly and international and then on the flip side you have you know Hetfield's upbringing which was you know, had a lot of pain and a lot of you know abandonment and struggle and yeah it's like it's it's like there's something in there with with all those guys for everybody when you scratch beneath the surface you know the Beatles is a really interesting parallel and that's that is that's so actually so true like one of the things that kept us interested in those guys still mm-hmm. to this day was yeah. how different they were from each other. Yeah. And that Lennon and McCartney partnership where it's like, these guys love and hate each other so much. And that, you know, Lennon McCartney is James and Lars, you know, just yeah, like yeah. they need each other and they might drive each other nuts sometimes. And they seem like such very different people, but it's yeah. the, it's just the magic of, of the two of them in a room together that, creates this thing we all love you know and then you have kirk kirk is very much a george harrison where it's like he's got just as much to contribute but there's not necessarily room for it all the time when you're with lennon and wow wow that's so so interesting that's so interesting and then yeah and then you have the jasons and the robs who are kind of like the ringos where they're like i'm just gonna be here kicking ass and you know (laughs) just you know do my part to keep this whole thing together And, and you always had jason as you know, I, I, I feel like Cliff brought a lot of the musicality, the melody. He liked Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. He liked, you know, Bach and Classical Beethoven. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you have Jason, who was like that man of the people. Like he, he was almost like the ambassador for the fans, you know, like like all of us as the fans got to be in the band with Jason, you know? Yeah. And you know what's interesting that I've realized later in life, because the first time I saw the band was the Black Album Tour. I saw it with the Snake Pit and the whole Sick. thing, the big stage. I still have the shirt from that show. That, and, mean, and, that, and was it the Guns N' Roses run or was it earlier? I saw that too. Um, and I was a gigantic Faith No More fan. And Rad. I was actually, I, that was Angel Dust for them. Um, and Actually, I'm wearing my homemade Faith No More shirt today. <laughs> Sick! I didn't even get I, the reference. I, I yeah. got that. I got that fortune cookie in Boston, and I saved it. And it's actually hanging. Oh, that's why I didn't get the reference. <laughs> the whole, that whole song's written from fortune cookies, and a friend of mine over at lunch one day got the fortune. Um, <laughs> but uh, that that I noticed over the years that my role in the zombie band was very much a cheerleader was very much a connecting people to the beat. And, you know, I know the lyrics to all the songs and I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah. And I, I don't stop moving. And I, and, and in a weird way, I think I stole a lot of that subconsciously from Jason, because when I saw the band, he was the guy doing that. He was the guy going you up in, you know, section three Oh five, I see you. Get I see up. you. Yeah. 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 And it, it made all he made. He connected. Yeah. You love room. creeping death. So do I. <laughs> right. Watch it. how much I love creeping death. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he connected that room. He could connect. Newstead could connect an arena 
with that amplification of that band. And I think I, I, I owe him a nickel, I think, because I've, yeah. really re- I've really realized in later years that I, I stole that, I guess that role in the band from him a little bit. That's kind of how I found my seat of what I was good at with yeah. the, with this project at least with zombie so yeah and it's very uh inspirational and, and influential in that way and uh, of course you know for guys of like our generation and everything too obviously we were familiar with with rob with suicidal and infectious grooves and of course being the bass player for ozzy for a long time yeah that you know when he came into the band it wasn't like well, who's this like rando you know it was like oh dude right. they got robert trujillo in the band that's awesome yeah you know, so it was always um a pretty cool transition in that sense and just another person who's obviously i mean i i guess to kind of fill out when you're with creative personalities that are as intense as james and lars and not to say that they aren't nice guys but i think you have to be a kirk or a rob or a jason or a cliff that's so easygoing and so personable and so friendly and just seems yeah. like in a, like they're in a good mood all the time. You have to have that personality, I think, to exist in that kind of continuum, you know, without trying to psychoanalyze it too much. I, I think that's a lot of how, you know, yeah, if you're in a band with Liam and Noel, it, it, it helps to be bonehead, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> totally, you know? totally. Well, you really, you really hit that on the head and, and that's it. So as a guy, who's ridden in that seat for a long time. I mean, not to pat myself on the back, that's its own skill set. I didn't, exactly. I, I didn't want to play bass for Rob Zombie because I thought I was going to write the Rob Zombie <laughs> right. songs. Right. Rob Zombie writes the Rob Zombie song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you, you didn't think you were going to say, Hey, maybe Rob, maybe you should wear this on stage tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not, that's not why I'm there. So like yeah. to, to really, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, and so true. And it is, it's interesting because not it's not for everybody it's not for everybody that that role and and um it's robert when robert came in the band all of us who knew what robert was capable of i saw infectious grooves you know live a couple times dude anybody that knew what he was carrying when (laughs) oh shit yeah this is about to get interesting yeah because he he's a little jason in the sense that he's that energetic guy on stage but he's also a, a lot of cliff yeah he's playing with just playing with his fingers right off the bat yeah it's, it's, you know and yeah. i i remember when i remember when it was announced that he was going to be the guy I went oh my god oh my god yeah. this is this is nuts like i can't think of anybody better yeah and then five and then five minutes later jason was an aussie it's like what <laughs> i know yeah just, yeah we're all, we're all playing musical chairs well, musical chairs at a certain, <laughs> at a certain exactly. point yeah yeah because then blasco was left rob zombie to be in to be Ozzy. play with aussie and then you came into the zombie band <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all it's yeah a bunch of kevin bacon going on for sure <laughs> and, and, and dude it is like you said it is a very real and very necessary skill set you know you should take some pride in in it because (laughs) it's you know for as much as we credit these uh you know certain types who contribute these certain things within all these different great bands those bands don't exist without those people around them 
you know it's just some person with a great idea somewhere who doesn't have anyone to execute the vision or to hold up the other end or to be that you know person that that keeps the audience feeling connected or yeah you know it's just it's all it's complimentary it's like a puzzle you know and it's like you might have one piece that's like this is the big piece that's in the center but like it's still not the picture without the other pieces you know yeah. they're supposed to yeah i mean it's 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 interesting it's like a, rob's very much a solo artist in everything he does and watching the dust settle over the years and watching how we all kind of fell into what we do and what we bring to the stage or what we bring to a record or you know how we play things or whatever it's all it's all defined itself and without anybody having to force anything it just you 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 stick around long enough and everybody you know there's a reason why metallica is as good as they are i was just talking to a friend of mine last night about how good these this 40th anniversary show was up north i mean he he said i've never seen him play like that there's a reason why they're playing like that because they didn't stop playing yeah like there's they're all it's still those guys robert's been in the band with 20 years now so i mean yeah they're they are a well-oiled machine it's and it's awesome to see you know they're they're they've yet to peak i think from a from a live standpoint absolutely did you make it up to the 40th anniversaries i didn't i didn't and i was sad about it um it's actually been a few years since I've seen the band. Well, that's the kind of the, the blessing and the curse of being a, a touring musician yourself. Is, and that, that comes up a lot on the podcast because I have a lot of people from bands on. And oftentimes it's like, I haven't been able to see Metallica in a long time because unless we're playing a festival together, you know, I'm not home when they come to my town. Yeah, that's that that happens quite a bit. In fact, the last time I went to a show, it was Mr. Bungle right at the beginning, right before the pandemic. I did, I didn't miss a night of that. Uh, and I thought, when am I ever going to see this again? I bet I have yeah. to go. Night two, I have to go. So, you know, it takes, it, 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 it takes a lot of passion to get you out of the house, especially when you do it for a living as mm-hmm. you, you know, you've been to, you've been to a few shows yourself. <laughs> One or two, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's two ships in the night. A lot of the times, like I want to see all these bands, but I'm usually yeah. gone or I'm, out of town doing something so yeah and at, at this stage of my life too i find a lot of times things get announced or they go up or you hear about it and then it looks so great on my calendar and i'm like yeah I'll, I'll, i'm gonna go to that yeah and then when it by the time it gets there you're like eh. <laughs> <laughs> you I, only have so I much energy you know? <laughs> yeah uh but yeah but i did get a chance to go i, I missed the 30th anniversary shows and uh what after that happened you know, when the 40th rolled around, I was like, I'm not missing those. Um, so yeah, I, w- I went up with some friends and did both nights and did the wedding band after show after the first night, which was that looked fun. Oh, dude, it was just it was crazy. And so and not what not what I would have not what I went in expecting. I mean, it was um, they did a lot of like funk songs from the 70s. Awesome. Um, they did Word Up from Cameo. Um, you know, Earache My Eye, I think they did. The, the wow. Chi Chong song. It's something like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're in like leisure suits. And and they're all just such great players. I mean, you know, John Theodore on drums. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Whitfield Crane. Like, I, you know, no disrespect to him, but that's not someone I'd thought about in a long time. You know, the dude sure. from Ugly Kid Joe. And then he comes out and he's just crushing crushing i mean what a voice he's just oh he's so talented he was so good yeah 
you know, forgot all about how amazing this guy is. Yeah. You know, really... Almost like a, like a patent. He has actually kind of like a patent type voice. I think that yeah. Yeah. power of that melodious sense to it. Totally. Um, so, yeah. So you got to see them uh, a couple times on the black album. And then uh, do you, what are some other Metallica show highlights that stand out when, when you look back on it? I, oh my gosh, I saw, I remember the summer sanitarium tour. Yes. Um, which was kid rock, I think was on that show. It yeah. was, it was crazy. It was, a, it was a weird bill, all things considered. It, it was. And I was working at a music store at the time. And I remember, I remember having to do a meet and greet with Kirk. Oh, and no I, way. Yeah. And I was so, I was so nervous. Cause I was like, this is, I was like, what am I doing here? This is the guy. From, this is, this is, he's a legend, you know, um, I've seen him in random places. Like I saw, I was in Vienna visiting family several summers ago and they happened to be, I just was like literally laying around doing nothing and they were playing down in some park. And I just, I've seen him in these weird places around the world where it's, uh, yeah. So I've, I, it's, and it's so neat to see how every, how all of us are connecting to the same thing. Mm. Like we're all starting the same pit with creeping death. <laughs> in fact, I, here's a funny story. I was in a band called Amen. Yeah, Mel- sure. Casey Chaos. Yep. That was uh, that was one of my favorite bands ever. I had tattoos of the band like before I was in the band. And um, we were doing the Download Festival at Donington. And we were there on Sunday. We played uh, main stage on Saturday. And we had passes to come back the next day. And there was a rumor that Metallica was going to show up and take over the second stage. Mm. So here come these helicopters in this convoy Sunday afternoon and they shut the second stage down and here comes Metallica and they opened with creeping death. And the place, it was like, everybody just went, fuck it. And like, it was going to be the end of the world for like five minutes. And I remember, and I was with my brother and we were right in the photo pit and when that place went off and this, you know, second stage is in a tent, right? It's small. Yeah. And I, I, I've never felt energy like that. It was like somebody flipped a switch and all of a sudden there was 8 billion volts of electricity coming through the ground, shaking the barricade. And I was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like, we're we're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And that was the first song. <laughs> and then after the show, I remember Lars, we were at the, in the hanging out in the dressing room area. And I'm not proud of this. Al Jorgensen got me the most drunk I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I, I couldn't spell my name, but I remember, but I remember this. I, I had sobered up a little bit by the afternoon. Lars came up to me and he goes, so you're an amen. What's it like being in that band? <laughs> wow. And I was like, are you fucking serious? You're asking this question. Right now? <laughs> I was like, how do you know? And, and he knew that Darren Malachian had signed the band through his imprint, through Sony, through Eat Your Music. He knew the whole story. And I was yeah. like, aren't you busy? Dude, like, he, just, he somehow pays attention to all those details, to everything. It's crazy. So it's no wonder he knew about Oasis and was telling everybody, hey, no, you're, I'm telling you, Oasis is the band to watch. You're, uh, I'm not wrong. Yeah. He, he always, he was always that guy. He always had his finger on the pulse of what was going on. 
And I was so, even in my state that day, I was so impressed with that. Cause I was like, you have the license at this stage in the game to not give a fuck about who right. we are or what we're doing right. or what punk rock sounds in like in 2001. Like if you were like, who, what? No, thanks. I, I yeah. still would think you're the coolest. Yeah. That's what you would expect and you wouldn't begrudge them for it. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. And, and I remember, and I bought St. Anger in Heathrow on the way home. Amazing. And listened to it on the plane. And then when I got home, I saw it came with a DVD and the DVD was them in, in the HQ playing the whole record from front to back. And that's actually how I experienced St. Anger. That's the, the best way to experience it. Cause I think that that yeah. is far superior to the actual record. It, 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 you know what it is. And, and just watching them rip those songs live, they hit me way different than they did in just little bursts on the plane where I was hearing one or two songs. Like it, it, it was a completely different listening experience. Yeah. I'm glad that they did that. And it was a, a cool, you know, uh, introduction to Robert in the band, getting to see him do a whole album yeah. from start to finish. And it just, yeah, it felt intimate. They're always giving us those like intimate looks and in the behind the curtain, you know, to where it makes you feel that much more kind of pride and ownership, even when you see, them at their biggest in their biggest environments you feel like you hung out because you know because you you were just watching them on the internet the day before in their practice room you know so it, it isn't yeah. it interesting i really think that that records actually aged really well because it, and now that we now that the dust has settled on what they were going through at that time and that movie you know and phil has all become part of our culture like yeah. the whole that whole metallica yeah some kind of monster era you know we've we've watched it in reruns now we've revisited it and it's really interesting how broken down that band was at that time and how that record reflects that those emotions it is and, definitely a snapshot of that of that for sure right yeah and it and it's in when i hear some of the stuff now it'll come on shuffle here and there I'm just reminded of that. And I, and, and I'm, and I never really judged it at the time. Cause I thought it was, I still thought Metallica was always cool anyway, but like, I was never that guy that like would, you know, shit on the bands. Cause I didn't like a record, but it's real. It, it just, I guess as a dude that's gone through things in his life too, I respect that record more now being where they were at at the time and the, and the balls it took to capture it and put it out like that and go, this is us right now. Sorry if you don't like it, but this is as honest as we can possibly be. There's not a whole lot of artists that really want to be that honest for one or have the balls to be that honest. And that, that's, that's, well that goes a that goes a long way with me now. Yeah. Well said. And I, and I, one of the things about that film that I think is so powerful was that you can, Put that film in front of anybody who's in any sort of creative partnership doing anything in their life at any level and it's relatable i actually i had actually had phil on the podcast and as you would expect it was like a just a, a life invigorating moment it was the first podcast he's ever done i believe wow um and he started doing some more right around that time but uh, when we taped it he hadn't done a podcast but it was we did zoom like this and, and i just went into it going like i'm just gonna go on the ride 
you know, because I have a lot of respect for him and I find him very interesting and you yeah. kind of feel like you know him from the movie. And uh, I just went on the ride, man. And he just, he, he, he does with one-on-one, he just, he did like what he did in the movie. He was peeling back the layers and we were going for it, man. He's just an wow. incredible person. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I was. And, and you know, and whatever one thinks about that record, about that movie, we wouldn't still have the band. We wouldn't be at the 40th yeah. anniversary if if it weren't for that record, if it weren't for right. that film, if it weren't for that whole period that they had to go through. Yeah. You know, so I, I certainly honor it a lot there. Uh, so you were in Amen until about when because that's early 2000s 2002 to 2004 ish so did you did you overlap with jinx from black veil or he was in after he replaced me oh okay well so then that, yeah it's yeah. all, all the pieces are kind of coming together i yeah. i for uh and this is this was way later but from about 2000 eight or nine till like 2013 14 no i don't know do that let's say 2009 to like 2016 17 i, I was the manager for ross robinson oh my god and, and and so yeah and he was doing there was another amen record i don't know if it ever even got finished that he was working on and steve evitz was working on at one point and you know steve's another good friend but so yeah, we've wow. had you and I have had all kinds of ships passing in the night <laughs> moments in life. <laughs> you know, one of the one of one of the one of the most interesting uh, things that happened in that time was was getting to know Ross just a little bit. He would come by the house and hang out every now and then. And one day, I was in my room and I was watching The Cure. I'm a gigantic Cure fan. Me too. And The Cure had just put out the trilogy show. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking oh, yeah. about with blood pornography flowers. and d- yeah. disintegration. And, yeah, blood, blood flowers is one of my favorite records ever recorded. I love that record. It's just so romantic. And I was watching the show, and he came in, and, and he goes, "You know, I think I'm gonna make a Cure record." <laughs> and I and yes. I went, "What? <laughs> you totally should make a Cure record." And he yeah. did. Yeah. And I and it's nuts it's amazing it, it, and, and, you're, and you're just thinking like is he gonna throw a flower pot at robert smith yeah like, was how's like, that gonna go i was yeah. like your life is so weird like <laughs> i know i think i'm gonna make a cure record <laughs> okay you know on yeah. a tuesday at 3 30 like yeah sure you and five other people so but he no and then like six and months he later he was like hey i'm making a cure record okay incredible dude yeah incredible he, he, Talk about a magnet, you know, that guy. Yeah, he's he's just a, extremely interesting and, and uh, unique. Just his energy, his passion, his knowledge, his whole his whole background. You know, he, he's he's the he's the real deal. If you grew up reading magazines about what Ross Robinson is all about, like it, it's yeah, it was all true. <laughs> so, so the records that he has helped birth. Dude. I mean, and, he, and also his fingerprints are on some things that, that don't, you know, because everybody kind of knows the the big, big hits, obviously. But, yeah. but you know, he was instrumental in uh, Fear Factory, like before they did a whole record with him that, that prior to their actual record. 
yeah he was involved and obviously Glassjaw is like such an incredible yeah. band and you know and he did those records and yeah you know at the drive-in and i mean just yeah so much cool stuff in his history and 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 what continued because i think you know one of the biggest difficulties for him in recent years was i mean when you're the when you're the guy who helped invent a whole genre you know that that's a blessing and a curse right because yeah <laughs> i mean that's crazy and congratulations but then when you're someone as talented and complex as him there's more to you than just that genre you happen to invent <laughs> you know so yeah and I, I as much as you know as much as my time my time in amen was uh was a learning i was so young um like i still i can still listen to those records that ross made and to put a saddle on casey chaos at the time and capture yeah. it on tape yeah i mean that's you know it's father Marin had an easier time in the exorcist you know than <laughs> making that record and yeah. god and you still hear it you hear it's still you can still listen to that record and hear every drop of blood and it's all there it's all yeah. right here in your face the way it's mixed it's nuts it's lightning it's, in a bottle it really lightning is a it's, yeah. it's such powerful art you know yeah i mean yeah and sepultura roots and the first yeah. Soulfly record and oh my god and, yeah just so much so much stuff I always wondered what a uh, a Ross Metallica pairing would sound like, and I actually think that that Rick Rubin was probably as close as they were going to get because it has that that same you know Rubin has that those like really dry yeah uh, drum tones and you know because Death Magnetic is like it sound it's recorded like Danzig One or yep Rain and Blood or the Cult Electric but it's but it's Metallica you know yeah. So yeah. I think that was about as close as they would get to that really raw thing that that Ross does. Well, that's that that would have been really interesting though. That's that is that is that is something. Yeah, um, but they've they've certainly got their thing dialed, and that also brings us back to so this show that you have with Gibson TV, which is called Metal and Monsters, and the first episode is we're taping this right now just came out, and uh, you are the host. And in that first episode, you get to spend some time with the late, great, uh, I don't know why I'm saying late, because, <laughs> because, because Fred Krueger himself is dead. Robert England, <laughs> who's still very much alive, uh, you get to spend some time with Robert England, who, of course, horror icon Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and Don Dawkin of the band Dawkin, uh, who, of course, uh, toured with Metallica on yeah. Monsters of Rock, which yeah. was, that was my first Metallica show was was the monsters of rock with, with van hagar oh and, how uh, cool yeah and my understanding is i think don dawkin probably has a better view on that than george lynch i think george lynch was maybe going through a little bit of wait like we're you know we're yesterday's news and this band's today's news mm -hmm. um, but uh i would imagine don dawkin probably has a, a, a better perspective on it but anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah. It, all, all, it all it all connects, and I know I know in that show there's uh, tunes from the crypt, which I was reading about, which involves the Black Album. Metallica was gracious enough to give us some copies of the new Black Album box set, which is in itself an incredible work of art. Ridiculous! Every yeah, one of those box sets is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. it's it talk about talk about thought going into something, man. I mean. The plan, the meetings for this thing must have been pack a lunch, you know, like yeah. 
I mean, yeah. so they were gracious enough to give us some box sets to give away. So we did a really cool thing that really kind of speaks to the community that we're, that we're honestly building a campfire for. We got a PO box and we said, Hey, you know, send us letters. And if you send us actual letters, you know, we're I'm mailing, I'm doing it this week. Actually, I'm mailing guitar picks out to everybody. We got, I did a thing on my Instagram. No one knew what it was for. No one, we didn't tell anybody it was for. We just said, hey, if you have questions for Don Dawkins or Robert England, not telling you why, send him this PO box. And we got hammered with mail. Amazing. Yeah. And I was like, really? In 2021, yeah. this still works. People still licking stamps. Okay. I have, I have some faith for humanity. Um, but I got a lot of mail. People telling me about like their favorite bands and, uh, movies and stuff. So we're mailing out Metallica box sets to uh, some people who whose letters that we read on the first amazing. episode. And what an amazing yeah. surprise for them to just have that behemoth show up on their porch. I know, right? You imagine <laughs> it, that guy knocks on the door yeah. and it's, it's like this Metallica vinyl box set of a black album. Lose your mind. So yeah, we're, man. We're, we're very much we're, we're very much appealing to those emotions all the way around with the show. So. And I'm excited for each of the you know hopefully, well I know the plan is to continue. I know there's a load there's a load box. I don't know if they're going to do load and reload together. If it's going to be separate, but I love that we're. I mean, the kill them all box was so incredible. But it, as we go further into their catalog, you're getting into eras where there's a lot more documented and there's a lot more there's just more resources for them to pull from, from the archives to yeah. put those together. So yeah, I'm, I'm just as hungry for the box sets to come as the ones that we've had already. They've all just been killer. You can tell they take a minute too, because they really are labors of love, man. They're not, yeah. they're not just thrown out there. They're really toiled over. So. And I hope they had Jason do the unboxing for the black album, which I thought yeah, was, I thought was, that was very classy cool. of them. and very cool. Like you, I'm really interested in what in what's going to surface with the load and reload records because I I really love those records, I really do. And, and it really was conceived as a double album, and then yeah. they, you know, and then yeah, and then they just stopped at a certain point. We're like, we're gonna stop, <laughs> get yeah. out there, so put one yeah. of these out, and we'll come back and finish the rest of it. Uh, but yeah, so I wonder because I remember even I was working at a record store at the time when Reload came out, and they sent us. Uh, as like promos these little um like car like boxes I, would, I don't have anything even remotely like it on my desk but but basically like a little like a slipcase that you could put both load and, and reload in and make it like a little double cd oh that's um, cool and it was just like a promo item that they sent like a bunch of free ones to the store and when somebody bought reload you could give it to them like you know when you get home put your load cd in there too so i always kind of you know as the cd version i always had it in that thing so i really grew to think of it as like a, a, a double album thing yeah. yeah a double album wow that's really cool so yeah it'll be interesting to see if they do the box set that way or if it's I, and also yeah i mean i want to hear i have you know various things collected in various ways over the years but uh it would be cool to, to have a, an official release of the, the the two songs that were on snm that were both from the load reload area to get the studio versions of those oh uh, yeah i, I totally. have a, i have a studio version of mine is human with no uh orchestra on it uh, but i've never heard uh, a no leaf clover studio version before but i assume one exists 
So maybe we'll yeah. get that. And I love that song too. That's, that's oh yeah, a, such a great song. Me too. And dude, when they get to saying anger, like, are we going to get official releases of like the Presidio session stuff and you know all the stuff they were making before Hetfield went away and you know and there's all the Ramones covers from around. I mean, there's yeah, it's like every era. There's 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 stuff. Yeah, in there, you know. I'm sure there's stuff that would blow our minds if we even yeah. that we don't know exists. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when they when they when Prince passed away and somebody oh, went gosh. in that vault. Remember when that inventory of that vault came out? Yeah, and we all went, "What are you doing with a Bob Mould record?" <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's the last goddamn thing we thought we were gonna find in there. You yeah. Know? Oh, if they so if sick. they found like an extinct dinosaur embryo in the Prince vault, <laughs> we wouldn't have been You're less surprising. Than yeah, the we would have been out. like, yeah. So I'm I'm still waiting on the Prince Bob Mould record to come out. If somebody could, oh man, hook that up for me. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> I, I, you know, for the longest time, I was like, when are they gonna? When are they gonna dig up all the Chinese democracy stuff? And now they're doing that. <laughs> god with slash and duff on like recording on top of them or whatever they've done they're you know they're still just like this year they just put out like (laughs) some songs from that era something tells me that box it's that box that's going to require two people to like lift it into the house (laughs) i need a crowbar old dolly it'll be like when (laughs) when gene simmons was dropping off those vaults to people (laughs) (laughs) get all that stuff in there um well dude thank you so much for taking the time to do this i actually i had you on the i've got a, a long speaking destroy guest wish list and you've been sitting on there for a while so when the wow. opportunity came up I, w- I wanted to seize upon it for sure well i appreciate so, you having me on man you're yeah. you're you're such a you're such a talent in this scene man and and you've been around and thank you no seriously like you like i i just hearing a recap of it today i forget everything that you've done man like you've been you've been in this really fascinating seat in music and pop culture and film for a long time now. And you've seen a lot of the changing of the guard and a lot of things come and go. And, you know, that, that wisdom and that insight and that history is all very, very, very valuable because you're, 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 you're educating people that, you know, didn't get to live through it the first time and sharing stories that are, really important you know you this all this stuff needs to be documented and your your life is a a testament to you documenting things that you love and it's so cool dude i'm, I'm like uncharacteristically speechless right now <laughs> no i mean it i mean Thanks, it man, man. I, I, like you. i said I, I even i forget everywhere you've been it's it's pretty staggering i'm gonna i'm gonna chop that part out and listen to it <laughs> put it away for a rainy day when i need to oh, good. I'm having a shitty day that did seriously man that made me emotional that's amazing thank you um, no i i really yeah. value i really value what you do so it's it's been, it's been an honor being on the show i love that man well we, i definitely want to have you back and and want to keep uh following what you're doing and i hope to you know we all get to leave our houses and you're on tour with the rob zombie show this summer <laughs> we'll definitely have to come check that out yeah, and um, yeah, man, thanks again for coming on. No, thank you, Ryan. It's been fun. <laughs>